Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Of the many things that we have to be thankful for is that with God, there is always hope. Uh, I don't believe in trying to uh, minimize our problems or act like we don't have problems because uh, the attempt to minimize a problem does not change the reality of the problem. And we are not exhorted by God to minimize, but we are called to remember. And in times like these, our faith and our hope are lifted when we remember. And among the things that we need to be in the daily habit of remembering are the fact that God is in control and that he also knows what he is doing. Uh, we need also to remember what God has done in the past, uh, for in so doing, it blesses our resolve to uh, face today and it brightens our outlook for the future. And when we begin to feel overwhelmed by life, there is no better antidote uh, than to remember God's greatness. Uh, the psalmist declares in Psalm 77, verse 11, he says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. And rather than count our sorrows, not only should we count our blessings, but we also need to remember uh, the faithfulness and the uh, power of the God that we serve, and for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention this morning again to the text that was read into our hearing uh, there in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we want to read again there verse number 14. Ephesians 3.14, the apostle declares, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Based on the words of the apostle here in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, For this cause I bow. When we consider the text that we have before us here in Ephesians chapter three, I submit to you that there was a very compelling reason that moved the apostle to pray. And I know this because of the language that he uses in verse number 14. He says, for this cause I bow my knees. It means that there is a reason that he is submitting himself to God in prayer. And if we have read the letter to the Ephesians, uh, then we are able to determine that when Paul says, for this cause I bow my knees, it refers to all that Paul had said about the mystery of the gospel, about God's plan to redeem all men in Christ Jesus. And Paul, uh, appreciating the gravity of the church's mission and the enormity of the task, saw prayer as a necessary part in fulfilling, uh, uh, in the fulfilling of God's call. And, and I submit to you that the church today uh, still faces 
uh, a, a very grave, a very serious mission, and we have a very large task uh, uh, before us. And when we look at the words of the apostle here in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, I submit to you that the words uh, of verse 14 express an attitude of humility and dependence rather than constituting a mandate for posture in prayer. Uh, now, I, I believe it's good sometimes to get on our knees and, and pray to God. Uh, but as I read my Bible, I find that people uh, assume postures other than just being on their knees. Uh, Jesus stretched flat out on the ground in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, there were times when he lifted his hands and his eyes uh, uh, to heaven. Paul said that he, he wanted men to pray everywhere, lifting holy hands. And, and so our posture in prayer is determined by our mood or our spirit while we are praying. And so when Paul says, I, I bow my knee, Paul realized that aside from the grace of God and aside from the help of God, that there was no way that the church would be able uh, to accomplish what God has called us to. And for Paul, uh, prayer was not a mere religious ex exercise uh, done as a matter of tradition for the outward appearance of piety, as was the case uh, with the Pharisees. You remember in Matthew chapter 6 uh, that Jesus said, when we pray, we ought not be like the hypocrites, uh, for they love to pray uh, out in the open and to be seen of men while they are praying. Uh, to Paul, prayer uh, uh, was the spiritual blessing that allows man to tap into the unlimited power uh, of God. Uh, in your Bibles, in James chapter 5 and verse number 16, James says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But I think we need to remember that it's not uh, uh, the exercise of prayer that makes the difference. It is the power of the God to whom we pray. God allows us to tap into his power through the spiritual blessing uh, of prayer. And when we consider the present state of the world in which we live, and uh, you think about COVID-19 and uh, the social injustice and the racial inequality, the moral decline, uh, the political division and hostility, and all the other problems that could be added to this list, then surely, like Paul, every child of God should be moved to petition the great God of heaven on our world's behalf. You know, shame on us if all we do is grumble about what a bad state our world is in, and we never do anything of a proactive nature to help things get better. And may we appreciate that prayer is not the answer in and of itself. That is to say, we don't just pray and then stand idly by expecting God to work miracles because we have prayed. Or rather, we pray to God for the wisdom and the courage and the strength and, and, and all the other things needed to be faithful servants in, in the carrying out of his will. But let us appreciate that prayer isn't the end. Prayer is really the start. We pray to God for uh, uh, his will to be done. We pray to God to bless us with strength and courage and all of those things. But then we get busy serving God. Uh, when we look at 
in this world, yes, our world needs prayer, and we need to be praying for this world. But but if all we do is pray and, and we don't do anything uh, in terms of service, uh, uh, then we ought to have little expectation that our prayers will be answered. Uh, in your Bibles there, in Ephesians chapter 3 and, and at verse number 20, Paul says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Uh, when you read that verse and you, you pay attention to what the Bible is saying, uh, it, it, it's a very humbling and, and also very enlightening at the same time. The, the power of God, and if you think about uh, God's power, in, in the very first verse of the Bible, we are introduced to the power of God. You remember Genesis 1-1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it just blows me away at how much power is needed to speak a universe into existence. But however much power that is, Paul says that that same power is available to us and that same power works in us. When we look at the words of the apostle there in verse number 20, he says, number one, that God is able. And I'm glad God is able because nobody other than God is able. And God is able not just because of the power that he has, but God is able because of his person, because of who he is. Now, when we think about the fact that God is able, Paul had previously expressed an example of God's power uh, in this very letter. If you look there in the Ephesian letter in chapter 1 and verses 19 and 20, Paul says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I, I submit to you, it takes a special kind of power to raise a man from the dead. Now, you know, sometimes people like to talk about having these near-death experiences and talking about they've crossed over to the other side and then they've come back. Well, let me assure you of something. If you cross over to the other side, uh, you won't be coming back until God raises us all uh, at the judgment. In, in Hebrews 9:27, it is declared, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, God has the power to bring people back uh, uh, from the other side. He, he said God demonstrated this very power when he raised Christ Jesus uh, uh, from the dead. But if we follow Paul's line of reasoning, it's not just that God raised Jesus from the dead, physically speaking. God has also raised you and I from the dead, spiritually speaking. And while it takes a great deal of power to raise a man from the dead, physically speaking, I submit to you that it takes a great deal of power to raise men from the dead, spiritually speaking. And not just raise us from the dead, but then enable us to become new creatures in Christ Jesus. But there's some kind of power at work there when God changes us from who we were, and I know we're all still works in progress, but we wouldn't be who we are now if it hadn't been for the power of God. And God's power is such that he is able to raise the dead, both physically and spiritually. 
And if we understand what the apostle is saying, the language that Paul used declares to us that God's strength comes from himself. You know, anybody that has any kind of authority, it's a delegated authority or a derived authority or power. They got it from somewhere. But only God has power in and of himself. Nobody has given God power. It's power that God has always possessed. And not only has it always been his, uh, but it's a power that defies human understanding. You know, there are some things about God that we just can't figure out. Now, it doesn't mean they're not true because we can't figure them out. What it means is that God is greater than we are. And I'm glad that I serve a God that is greater than I am. In your Bibles, in Hebrews 11 and verse number three, Paul says, through faith. Now, now notice, through faith, not by intellectual reasoning, not because we can make sense of it, but he says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Paul says, the only reason we know how the universe got here is because God tells us so. Now, we don't understand how you just stand up in the nothingness of eternity and say, let there be light, and, and light, you know, something comes out of nothing. Paul says, we don't understand that intellectually, but because God is who he is, and because we've seen God at work, and because we know God is true, then we accept God's word on the basis of his person. And when I look at this nation of ours and the world in which we live, we need that kind of power to save us from ourselves. Uh, uh, when we talk about uh, uh, really trying to have a nation where it, it is not just stated that all men are created equal, but it is our practice in, in every arena of life, it's going to take the power of God to achieve such a thing. And, and the power of God it is beyond human capacity, and it is the power which is at work within us. And, and when I say us, I, I mean the church. But do you appreciate what Paul is saying? The power that raised Jesus from the dead, uh, the power that caused the universe to come into existence, it is that power that is at work in the church today. And, and so that tells me whatever we set our minds to do, in accordance with the will of God and for the glory of God, God has more than enough power to see to it that the task is accomplished. The issue is not, can it be done? The issue is not, is God strong enough to do it? The issue is, are we willing to submit ourselves to God and allow God to work through us however he fit, sees fit to bring these things to pass? But not only do we determine that God is able there from verse number 20, but notice further what Paul says, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. Now, if you're talking to me and you want me to do something, you're gonna have to ask me because I'm not a mind reader and I don't know everything. But Paul says God's ability supersedes our ability to ask. Now, he's not saying that we shouldn't ask. He's just saying that God is able to do so much more than what we ask. And for this, we should be grateful. 
we should be grateful for the fact that God is able to do far more than we ask. And one of the reasons we ought to be grateful for this is that we don't always ask for what's best, and sometimes we don't know what to ask for. You ever went to God in prayer, and, and I mean you just going through something, and all you can do is just kind of shake your head and say, Lord God, please help me. I, I, I'm not really sure what to ask for. I, I, I don't know uh, how I'm going to make it through this thing. Well, well, Paul said, because you don't know, doesn't mean that God doesn't know. God is able to do far more than we ask. And, and I'm glad God is able to help me when I don't know what to ask for. Uh, in Romans 8 and verse number 26, uh, Paul declares, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we are, but the spirit itself make it intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now, I don't know about you, when I pray, uh, the majority part of the time, my mind is whatever I'm going through, I want relief. Now, relief, eh, 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 the way I view it, is not always what God has in mind. See, when I say relief, I want God to take the problem away. But I've learned from Paul with his thorn in the flesh that sometimes what God has in mind is not the removal of the thorn, but I'm get, going to give you a portion of grace that is greater than the thorn. Now, you're going to have to keep the thorn, but I'm going to give you grace that's going to make you, make you able to be superior to the thorn. But in the plan of things that I have right now, you've got to keep that thorn. When you stop and look at the condition our world is in, which one of us really knows what to ask for? You know, I, I ask God that, that they'll come up with a vaccine for this virus or that it will somehow just, just go away. I ask God to bless this nation where we really will judge people by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. But, but I don't know how God is using these things uh, 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 to the accomplishing of his will. And, and so at the end of the day, yes, Father, this is what I'm asking for, but I'm glad you know better than I do, and I'm glad you're able to uh, uh, bless me above and beyond what I ask for. And, and not only uh, uh, is it true that we don't always ask for what's best or know what to ask for, but if we are just outright honest about things, we don't always ask with the right motives. Do you remember Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter eight? You remember he asked Peter uh, uh, for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Simon didn't want this because he wanted God to use him to be a blessing to others and, and, and to do great works that God might be glorified. See, Simon was used to being a big shot. And, and Simon saw, if I had this power, Boy, I could go to being a big shot again. And, and you remember how Peter answered him. Peter said, your money perished with you that you thought you could buy the gift of God uh, 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 with money. Simon was interested in helping Simon. And many that have something to say, and, and in particular, many that have something to say about current affairs are ruled by self-interest. I'm glad that God is able to bless us uh, uh, above what we ask for, because sometimes we ask for the right things, but we don't ask with the right motives. And then sometimes we ask for the wrong things because our motives are wrong. And I'm glad that God is not one of those. 
uh, uh, that I give you what you ask for and hope that you'll be faithful with it. I I'm glad that God knows me better than I know myself. I I'm glad that in all things, ultimately, God's will be done. And may we appreciate, not only is God able to do far more than we ask, it, it is to our benefit that God doesn't do everything that we ask. I, I don't know about you, but I can look back over my living and I can see where I've asked for a certain thing, but God decided something else to be done. And, and, and looking back at it uh, uh, from a, a standpoint of being a little bit wiser and, and a little bit more mature, I can see where God blessed me and not giving me what I asked for. And, and Moses and Paul can attest to the fact that God can and does say no. You remember Moses wanted to go over into the promised land, so much so that he asked God repeatedly to go. And you remember God told him that last time God said, no, you're not going and don't ask me no more. Now that just sounds like one of them old school parents. You know, that, that's kind of one of those, now we through talking about this. God said, you're not going and you're not gonna ask me anymore. Paul asked God three times uh, uh, to take away his thorn in the flesh and God told Paul, no. But I'm glad when God says, no, God has something better in mind. It's not a no to be spiteful. It's not a no because I don't wanna share with you or no, I don't wanna bless you. It's a no because I have something higher in mind than you have. So it's crucial when we pray and as we live, uh, that it always be with a not my will, but thy will be done spirit uh, uh, when we pray. It's not our place to seek to align God's will with our will. Rather, we must align our will with his. But God is able to do far more than we ask. But Paul says the power of God is such that not only is God able to do far more than we ask, but God is able to do far more than we think. And for this, we should also be grateful. I'm glad uh, uh, that because things don't make sense to me doesn't mean that they don't make sense. I'm glad when I don't understand what's going on that it doesn't mean that what's going on can't be understood. God is able to do far more than we think. And we need to appreciate and embrace that human capacity for thought has limitations. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't know everything. We don't see everything. We don't understand everything. We don't always have the answers to all the questions. You know, I, I've had people come to me uh, uh, with a question, you know, because I, I, I'm a minister uh, of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And that time when I had to tell them, you know what, I don't know. And sometimes they are taken aback by this. It, well, guess what? Minister, now I know we talk like we know everything, but we don't know everything. And there are some things that are just beyond human capacity. In Deuteronomy 29 and verse number 29, the Bible declares the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now, if you understand what Moses is saying, Moses is saying, God doesn't tell us everything. And the only things we know are the things that God has revealed to us. Well, why doesn't God tell us everything? Well, there are a number of reasons for that. 
sometimes God doesn't tell us things because this particular thing is none of your business. Uh, if I told you about this, it would uh, uh, facilitate you being a busybody or a gossip. Sometimes God doesn't tell me uh, a thing because it might be something that right now I'm not able to handle that. But the only one that needs to know everything and the only one that knows everything is God. And we need to accept the fact that we are not able to know or appreciate all the purposes of God. That's why we ask that question sometimes, what is God trying to show me? Well, it presupposes that God is trying to show me anything. Maybe God is just using me to show somebody else something. Uh, 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 but, you know, our understanding everything, uh, uh, that's not our part in the grand scheme of things. Uh, our lot is to be faithful to the part of God's will that he has made known to us. And, and as I uh, alluded to just previously, we are not even able suited, uh, uh, we are not suited rather, to handle all that can be known. Uh, in your Bibles, in John 16 and verse number 12, Jesus told the apostles, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. So now, just because I don't know, doesn't mean I will never know. But Jesus said to the apostles, right now, you can't handle what I have to tell you. Who only knows why God hadn't revealed something to us? Maybe it's a case of right now, we're not able to handle what God has to show us. But I need to trust the faithfulness of God, that God knows what he's doing, that not only is God able, but that God is able to do far more than we ask or think. Uh, when, when I look at this world that we live in, and I, I tell you, I just say, man, things are such a mess. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Now, what I do know is when it's time for the Lord to come again, he will. But until he comes again, he's not finished with us working on his behalf in this world. And it's not up to me to discern uh, uh, when things are going to change or how much good what I'm doing uh, 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 makes. My lot is to be faithful to God and keep on doing what he's told me to do until such time that he tells me to stop. When we look at this nation of ours and the world in which we live, some things are not hard to discern. You know, when you look at the world we live in, our world needs to repent. Uh, uh, when you look at this nation of ours, uh, our nation needs to turn to God. And I know we've included reference to God in, in the founding documents and all of that kind of thing, but this nation of ours needs to turn to God. Uh, uh, when you look at the church, it, it's time for us to get up and get busy uh, uh, in the work of the kingdom and stop waiting like the sons of Jacob did uh, for somebody to do something about the famine. I don't need to be talking about what somebody else can do. I need to find what I can do and get busy doing it. And the first thing that I can do is pray to God that God will use me as a vessel in his service and to his glory. I can pray for this world in which we live. I can pray for the church, but, but I ought to be praying for me. Lord, give me a heart and mind to want to do something. Lord, give me a heart and mind to be willing to sacrifice something. Give me a heart and mind to be used of you in whatever way you see fit. When I read Ephesians chapter 3, 
Uh, Paul had no doubt about the power of God to accomplish God's purposes. You know, the power of God is not the wild card in all of this. The wild card in all of this is will we be faithful to the God that we serve? And sometimes being faithful calls us from the things that are comfortable. Sometimes being faithful calls us from how we would prefer things being. It, it calls us from how we are used to things being. It calls us from the way things have always been. But this I know, Paul was right uh, 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 when he said, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I, I, I believe with everything in me that God is able and that God can make us able to make a difference in this world. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is, am I willing to be used as a vessel uh, in the service of God? Maybe you want to be God's vessel, but you have not yet obeyed the gospel of Christ Jesus. Well, God is able uh, to raise a man from the dead. And that's whether we're talking about being physically dead or dead in sin. Now, God raises the dead from sin uh, uh, through the gospel of Christ Jesus. He requires that we hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, but raised the third day for our justification. In Romans 10, 17, the Bible declares that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must believe that Jesus is the Christ. In John 8, verse 24, Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. We must be willing to repent and turn to God. Uh, the Bible declares in Acts 17, verse 30 and 31, that God requires all men everywhere to repent because there's a day coming in which he will judge the world in righteousness by Christ Jesus. He requires that we make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew 10, 32, and that we be baptized in water for the remission of sins, uh, uh, Acts 2, verse 38. Now, this is us listening to God, not trying to figure out our own way to be saved. We don't have that power. But God makes the power of the forgiveness of sins available in the waters of baptism. In Acts 2, 38, uh, Peter there declares, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we go down into the waters of baptism as an obedient response to the gracious call of the gospel, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus and dwells us with his spirit and then adds us to the church uh, where we are to live obediently after the word and will of God. In, in Ephesians 4 verse 1, Paul says uh, that we are to walk worthy of the vocation which with we, uh, we have been called. Uh, that means not only are we to obey God, but we are to be lights in this world because we live our lives faithful to the will of God and we stand apart and stand different from this world in which we live. And that is the way that God uses us to make a difference. Perhaps you're listening uh, to this broadcast and you wanna be baptized into Christ Jesus. Uh, we bid you reach out to our elders at elders at laurelchurch.net uh, perhaps you stand in need of prayer. 
And we ought to be praying for one another. We ought to be praying for ourselves. We ought to be praying for this world in which we live. But then we ought to be willing to be used of God in answer to our prayers. Uh, if any of those are the case, please reach out to our leaders. And at this time, we'll sing the song of it.